uh, church. The, pic, the word was about us being ambassadors of peace. And I spoke about this before, and I'm going to come back to it later. But I, but I feel like the Lord is, has raised us up for this time. I think you had that word at the start of the service, Robert, about um, be, yeah, sort of that word of Esther. Uh, a time for a time such as this, exactly a time such as this. The Lord has not us brought us. The Lord hasn't brought us here by accident. You're not here by accident. You're not a, um, a follower of Jesus in this moment in history by accident. But the, but the Lord has um, like raised us up for a, pur- a purpose, and I think part of that purpose is to be an ambassador of peace here at church, uh, in your families, in your workplace, at school. Uh, in any environment you're in, and uh, but then there's also like a caveat to that, and, it, and it's like that, that's, that's something we have to fight for, and and so that that fight it's uh, it's a fight that we want to <laughs> we want to take on. We need to fight for the peace in our hearts, and that that peace will overflow to others. So we're the carriers of His peace, peace of His presence. So uh, Lord, thank you for that, Lord, that you would you would bless us. If you've called us to be ambassadors of peace, Lord, then you need to fill us with your peace. We can't conjure it up on our own, Lord. I know myself, I've got nothing in me <laughs> that's going to gonna make me feel peaceful. But your spirit is the one that get, fills us with peace and that we would overflow with peace for others. So Lord, would your spirit, by your spirit, would you do that even now, Lord? Even now, Lord. That we would overflow in every environment we're in, Lord. Overflow with your peace for others. People need it. Amen. Lord's good, eh? He's so good to us. It was cool hearing um, about... Uh, you know that it's your wedding anniversary this week, Emma Jane and Jonathan. And like, they, um, I mean, I was looking at Jonathan. I was going, man, I'd love him for his rugged, rugged good looks. And you know. <laughs> does that make you uncomfortable? Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's my segue into um, into my intro. So, um, long, long time ago. Um, um, I fell in love. Uh, fell in love with Tessa, and um, and then a long time after that, um, you know, th- things began to th- things began to work out, and we began to spend some time together, and uh, and so um, as I was just reflecting on this yesterday, like I'd, I'd do things like um, I think my my cooking improved quite a lot in that period of when. You know, to use the old-fashioned word, like courting, right? Courting Tessa or romancing Tessa. She's not here, so I can just, like, make up stuff now. Um, if you want any tips, if you're single and you want any tips, then yeah, I'm the man to talk to. So, um, so I'd, uh, <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> I, 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 I'd cook food uh, that I thought she would like. I can remember... Um, I, mum had given me the slow cooker and a slow cooker recipe book, and so I'd get up early in the morning and I'd get the slow cooker going, um, beef rendang or something like that, and I'd get that slow cooking during the day uh, because you know if she was going to come over for dinner tonight, I really wanted her to enjoy my enjoy my cooking. I remember I'd um, I'd tidy the house uh, and make it look uh, you know like I was appropriately domesticated. No, it was it was so it would be like a, a comfortable a comfortable place. And now she knows the truth. Uh, you know, so it'd be like a welcoming, comfortable place for her, like a place where she'd come along and go, oh, this, you know, this is like this is a bit nice. And um, and then uh, you know we would um, she would you know we would spend time together. Oh my goodness, like you know you'd. Uh, uh, how much time have we got? Um, but I just remember like, having the, you know, we'd, sometimes we'd have these days and it would just be over so quickly, like a whole day together would just be over so quickly. 
And um, with all of these kinds of things, um, you know, I was trying to make you happy. <laughs> I was trying to make you have a good time. I was hoping that you should enjoy being in my company. Uh, if she came over, then I'd try to tidy the house, so make it a welcoming, comfortable place for her, like, um, so that you know, she wouldn't, wouldn't want to leave in a hurry. Um, you know, ha- having these times... Pardon, mate? <laughs> I think so, you have to ask her. <laughs> she came back for more, yeah. <laughs> Haven't cooked since. <laughs> I think so. And, you know, my motivation wasn't subtle, um, I wanted, you know, I was in love with her, and I wanted her to fall in love with me. I mean, I didn't say that, right? You don't say that. Like, if you say that, you, oh, I'm, I'm in love with you. I need you to love me back. No, don't say that. Tip. <laughs> Tip. She'd be running, but I'd run for the hills if someone said that to me. Anyway, I'd fall in love with her, and I'd fall in love with her years earlier, and I hoped beyond hope, and I, I seriously didn't think it was ever going to happen, but I hoped beyond hope that she would fall in love with me, and, you know, she, she did, and... Um, and um, you know, this is the this is the romance you know of life. So, <clears throat> so looking back, you know, and uh, um, being reflecting on, we're almost uh, up to nine years uh, marriage. Um, looking back, what I was doing was I was preparing the way. I was preparing the way for Tessa to come into my life and and I into hers. It was it was about preparation. Can we get that uh, the PowerPoint up, uh, Sean, please? How's your cooking? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we were joking yesterday about how like, um, you know, I might offer somebody, uh, I don't do it very often, but you know, oh, we'll make you a meal. But what I mean is, you know, Tessa will make a meal. Or, um, you know, to be... Well, you know, Yasmin sort of set the tone with honesty. Like, you know, we have we have group meetings up at my um, other job at Victoria University, and you know, when you're presenting, you have to also do baking, and uh, people love it when I'm presenting. Yeah, because <laughs> my baking, you know, well, t- you know, Tessa and I are one flesh, so my baking is actually really good. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty honest with that. Are we up here? Cool. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Yeah. Cool. So, Isaiah 40. I, yeah, man, I've been just love, love this, love this scripture. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Oh, what was it? <laughs> oh, thank you. We're, okay, we're on track. Lord speaking. Let us listen. Eh? That, no, that's really encouraging. It's and again, I mean, uh, if you want to, like, actually, just go and read that now and uh, zone out listening to me. That's that's fine. Just. We want to hear what the Lord. We hear, hear what the Lord's saying. Beautiful passage, Jane. Yesterday, um, I mentioned it before. Uh, we went on a. Uh, we had like a mini holiday, <laughs> you know, a four-hour holiday. It was really, really cool. Anyway, we spent the morning um, in a part. Those photos didn't come through, eh, Sean? Don't worry about it. There's no no dramas. We we spent the morning in a part of the of the south coast of Wellington. I'd never been to before. I mean, I've been in Wellington almost all of my life. Um, 
I've never been to this part of the south coast, so we drove up through, through uh, Brooklyn, let me get my bearings, over that way somewhere, drove up through Brooklyn, past the wind turbine, uh, and then over, over the hills, into the valleys, uh, along like windy, steep dirt roads, and we, everyone else in the car was getting a bit nervous, but I wasn't right, I've got this guys, down the steep roads, and we ended up in this really beautiful coastal area, and, and from uh, from this part of the coast, we could see the South Island, uh, Te Waipunamu, and the snow-capped mountains. Beautiful, so beautiful. Oh, okay, awesome. Thank you for that. You, you probably can't see it uh, quite well, but you can see uh, in, in the distance, you can see the snow-capped mountains. This is an anchor just sitting uh, there in the, in the, in the, on the coast. Amazing. Who's, anyone recognize that? Anyone been along there, there, these sorts of roads? You have. Good, so lovely, eh? Amazing. And we, we spent the time, I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. So we, we, um, we spent the morning there, and I uh, would love to have stayed there, stayed there longer, to stay the weekend. Um, but we needed to get back home. And the journey began, so we're right down on the, down on the beach, so the journey began, we had to get in a, um, like my little, uh, our little Toyota Corolla, couldn't handle it, so um, first of all, in a, in a four-wheel drive to take us up these like narrow, steep, um, dirt roads, and then we jumped into, the, into our car for a bit more, driving up these steep dirt roads, and then eventually those, those dirt roads kind of turned into somewhat sealed, but full of potholes, still super rough. Narrow, difficult to get around. Then eventually into um, into suburban Brooklyn, uh, kind of you know, you can imagine what that's like, eh? Like the um, yeah, like smooth roads, but you still can't go very fast. And then and then you come down over the hill, and then eventually you get onto the highway, and then you finally go, oh, this is it, like a uh, smooth roads, and uh, get up to hundred k's all the way back home. So the longest, the longest part of our journey was just actually the stretch from, um, from Wellington out to Petone where we could finally go 100 kilometers per hour, you know, on the, on the highway. And the, and the longest part of our trip, well, the part that took the longest, anyway, was, was the kind of the narrow dirt roads. So can we go back to that scripture, Sean? Um, so in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And we, we hear this prophecy in Isaiah, you might imagine the, you know, the Lord being somewhere else. You know, the Lord being parked up by that anchor on the south coast and, and then needing to get from there to here. Needing, you know, we need to build a highway so that the Lord can come in with his entourage. He's over on the south coast. We need to get him into Wellington, right? So is the Lord somewhere else? <laughs> is the Lord somewhere else? Uh, Psalm one thirty nine. We kind of we kind of sang about this. Uh, can I go to the next slide, please, uh, Sean? Psalm one thirty nine. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Like the scriptures, this is just one example. Scriptures over and over, over and over teach us the Lord is omnipresent. 
He's, he's in all places at once. He's just as present here in, in the middle of our most holy moment of worship as he is over on the south coast. Just as present in your, in your quiet time at home as, as he is when you're at work or in an exam or um, in a driving test or in a stressful meeting at work. There's this omnipresence, and then, and then we talk about his, his manifest presence. So sometimes there's, there's these incredible moments where there's a, a manifestation of his presence. That's when we actually feel him, or we might see him move, or we, we see the, the action of his presence, like somebody being healed. That's, a manifest, that's his manifest presence, a manifestation of his presence. But does not change the fact that he's all the time, all places, omnipresent. So what does it mean then to prepare a highway for the Lord? Okay, it's, it's not about getting him from the south coast into church, right? This, you know, this is just the way my mind works. What does it mean to prepare a highway for the Lord? Going back to the, the, the story, which was um, mostly true, of my romance with Tessa, I fell, in, I fell in love with her, and I hope that she'll fall in love with me. So all of my preparation of dinner, of making sure I looked good, <laughs> trying to make, sure, make, make myself appear to be, look good, uh, pre- you know, it was all about preparing the way for Tessa uh, and, and preparing the way for our hearts, preparing the way for our hearts to come together. And this is what preparing the way for the Lord is all about. It's, it's about our hearts, and it's about the heart, hearts of others. So... That scripture um, from, from Isaiah is prophecy. It's repeated in the, in the Gospels. And this is what it says at the beginning of Mark's Gospel. And I love that the heading in my ESV is John the Baptist prepares the way. It says, In the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. When you read the Gospels, you you discover that all these people, all these people from the surrounding areas are coming out to hear John, this man in in the desert, in the wilderness place, and to be baptized in the River Jordan. And what's going on is there's a, there's a massive shift going on in their hearts. Massive shift. Their hearts are being prepared for the arrival of the King of Kings, whose name is Jesus, Jesus Christ, also known as the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, the, the, the great I am. Their hearts are being prepared. Hearts that would be prepared to receive the Lord. Hearts that would be prepared for an encounter with the Lord prepared to draw near to the Lord, prepared to glorify the Lord. This is what, this is what repentance for the forgiveness of sins is. Like um, We welcome the Lord into our hearts, but for our hearts to be prepared to be prepared to, to uh, um, welcome the King of Kings, to welcome the Holy King of Kings, our hearts have to be prepared. They have to be sort of like tra- transformed from being a, a narrow, uh, Dirty, windy, rough road that only four-wheel drives can go on to being a highway for the Lord, you know? Make my heart a highway for you, Lord. 
Over the last couple of Sundays, I've been uh, kind of mapping out, you might have picked up on it, but mapping out a, a picture of, of, what, of what we're all about as individuals and, and as a church, as people of God. Number one, our purpose is to bring glory to God, glory to God. As a church, this means that we're centered around Jesus, centered around the, uh, the, the, the person, our God, Jesus. Number two, Drawing to draw close to him, to encounter him, to get near him, to be changed by him, to discover fullness of life in him. Last week, that I was talking about that in the sense of the opposition that we face when, when we when we sort of make that decision that we want to draw close to God. We encounter all kinds of all kinds of opposition to that. That was last week's talk. This is our purpose to abide in him, and and it's out of our abiding that we can. We can kind of do all the other things. And then the third part, number three, to prepare a way for the Lord. And, and this, is, this is sort of like oriented uh, some, in, in a kind of way towards, towards others so that others can come and encounter the Lord. Also for ourselves. All these three, these three parts, they all kind of come together. That you can't, can't separate them. Uh, bringing glory to God. To bring glory to God, we need to be abiding in God. Um, to bring glory to God, we've got to be like, like serving others and loving others. You know, loving God means loving, well, loving God involves loving others. <laughs> so prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist, there's this beautiful story in, in, the, in Luke where his, his mum, Elizabeth, she's pregnant with him. And then, uh, then along comes uh, Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus. And, and in this encounter, um, you know, John the Baptist is, is still a baby in her womb. And he leaps because he's encountered the Lord. And, and it's almost like even as a baby, as an unborn baby, he's recognizing that the King of Kings is present. He has this encounter with the Lord. So he has this encounter with the Lord, and then he wants others to have, have encounters with the Lord. John set apart his life. When you read about him, you, you see how he set apart his life, everything that he was about. You know, we, we probably, if, if there's a man like John the Baptist amongst us now, I would say, that guy, he's, he's lost his marbles. I mean, he's eating locusts, which is probably going to happen like one day. Who's, anyone had a locust? Pardon? Crickets? Yeah. Tasty, eh? Bit of barbecue sauce. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> so he consecrated his life in all kinds of ways, like sacrificing, like laying down himself in order for uh, others, you know, preparing the way for the Lord so that others could encounter Jesus. Uh, listen to this prophecy uh, that his dad, Zechariah, uh, did I not did I put it up there? Oh yeah, cool. This is so. Yeah, uh, John's John's old man, Zechariah. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke this prophecy over his over his son's life, as, you know, his baby's life. He goes, "And you, my child, I can imagine him like holding his baby in his arms. You know, I, I hold Eli, and I go, oh, yeah, you know, like just speaking speaking a blessing over him. And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. And you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. I love that line, eh? You should, that, that, you know, that, that scripture uh, from Isaiah, the beginning of Isaiah 40 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. 
because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. (laughs) That's what we need, right? Living in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The people of God prepare the way for the Lord. In Exodus, Israel was set apart from slavery in Egypt. They were led through the Red Sea, led by uh, the presence, led by the cloud of the Lord to the, um, to the mountain, Mount Sinai, this place where they're going to encounter the manifest presence of the Lord. And in that place, in that place in chapter 19, the Lord speaks to the people from the mountain and he says, I didn't put it up there. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, how I brought you to myself. He, brought, he brings us, brings us to himself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, his omnipresent God, all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Just a few years ago, we did this uh, great series on being a kingdom of priests. It was actually way back in 2017. It just feels like it was a year or two ago. Because being, being a kingdom of priests is our, is our calling, is our purpose as the people of God today. Uh, Peter, 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. It says, but you are a chosen race. I think I, said, I spoke the scripture over us last Two weeks ago. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. The priests. Uh, You might remember what we talked about a few years ago. You might not. But really quickly, priests. What do priests do? Priests prepare a place for the Lord. In the Old Testament, there's, there's the tabernacle and the, and the temple and, and all of these things that the priests were, requi- were required to do in order to make that a, a place that the Lord would kind of go, okay, I, I'm only present, but I'm, my, my presence, my manifest presence is going to dwell in this place. Priests were charged with the preparation of that place where God allowed people to come into his presence. That's one part of what they do. They prepare a place for the Lord. Secondly, priests. Priests themselves were given permission to come into the presence of God. Like the high, the high priest, he was able to come into the, into the Holy of Holies, the most dangerous place, right? Because that's the place of, of, of God, the Holy of Holies. And he was able to come into that place once a year. And, and if he had prepared himself appropriately, then he would live. <laughs> and if he hadn't, then they'd drag him out by that piece of rope that's attached to his leg. <laughs> Anyway, priests themselves, they were uh, given permission to come into the presence of God. Priests would come out of that place of, of encountering the Lord, and they would, uh, in a sense, act as a, in themselves, like act as an intersection of God and people. Almost like uh, vehicles for others to come and encounter the Lord, or uh, to, quote, um, to quote Dad from, uh, to quote Marty, like to be conduits, to be conduits of, of the Lord. You know, so there's sort of like the encounter, the priest would have an encounter with the Lord, and then they'd come out, and, and it's almost like they were almost like representing God for the people. But ultimately, God wanted people to encounter them himself. So priests, prepare a place to encounter the Lord. Priests, prepare themselves to encounter the Lord. 
priests prepare others to encounter the Lord. <laughs> See what I did there? Jesus is our, is our great high priest, Hebrews 4. He's our great high priest. And this is what he does. It's, through, it's only through Jesus and only through what he did on the cross. Like the cross becomes our meeting place with the Lord or the, or the gateway, the door through which we can come and meet the Lord. The door through which we, we dare to come close to the holiness of God. Through Jesus, we are made holy. So he prepares us. He, he prepares us to encounter the Lord. He acts on our behalf. He's our high priest. He intercedes for us. He's our advocate, you know. And he sends us his Holy Spirit. A, a few years ago, I had this, uh, had this dream. Um, and in the dream, I was uh, just crossing the road um, by the railway station. I wasn't going to McDonald's. I was just crossing the road. I was going somewhere else. And in the dream, I was listening to, uh, listening to a podcast. And um, it was like a preaching podcast because I do that sometimes. And, um, and in, in the dream, I just felt like the, the, uh, like the presence of the Lord. And, and I remember like just saying, isn't it amazing that any place that the Holy Spirit can prepare any place to be a meeting place with God? Or in the words, in my dream was actually that the Holy Spirit prepares any place to be a throne room for the King of Kings. Any place. And I've had this happen, like that dream was actually the beginning of something. So often during the week, um, okay, like, you know, you know, being vulnerable to you, I sort of have highs and lows. So uh, Sunday morning, right now, I'm feeling pretty pumped, right? I'm preaching the Word of God. I feel pretty pumped. By about Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm less pumped. <laughs> I need someone to come to preach, preach to me. And, and so that's what I do. I go to, there's a, couple, there's a few go-tos that I, that I go to, that I go to, go-tos that I go to. Uh, Alan Scott, pastor at Anaheim Vineyard. I like, love, love, love listening to him. And um, like it, it builds my faith. Oh, man, I, I just... I hope that you've got ways during the week. Sunday's not going to be enough. We keep saying this. You've got to have ways during the week of building up, building yourself up. You know, we're, this is what we are. We're, we're, we're individuals, but, we're, but God gives us each other. And so you know, I go to Ellen, Pastor Ellen, and he, and he builds me up. He doesn't even know this. But you know what? <laughs> so sometimes I've got to be careful. I was on the train um, home, and, and he's preaching, and um, the Holy Spirit's moving in Anaheim Vineyard, and He's moving in me on the train. And I was like, I, don't, I had to, I had to push stop on the podcast because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was a bit worried that all of a sudden I'd be, on the, you know, kneeling, kneeling in the, in the train, like, you know, whatever. I often cry, right, when the Holy Spirit's move on me, you know, moves on me. And so anyway, um, the Holy Spirit prepares a place. He can make any place a throne room for the King. And we are called to follow in the footsteps of John the Baptist, and we're called, more importantly, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to imitate him. Ephesians 5 says, Therefore, be imitators of God. I might have this up on there, I'm not sure. Yeah, I do. Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, Okay, I got another story. I hope you're enjoying my stories because I've got a few. But um, a couple of weeks ago, we were singing a song and, and it, it talked about um, being changed in the presence of God. Do you know what, what song that is? Being changed in the presence of God. And, and so, um, and when me and Tessa, we're pretty uh, exemplary parents. And that morning, um, it, it, Elena was actually engaging with the words of the song. She, this is like a one-off, I think. Hopefully she'll do it again. But anyway, she looks at the words. She, she looks at the words. She goes, Daddy, why do we need to be changed? And I was like, oh, yeah, how do you explain that to, you know, a, uh, my four-year-old who um, 
is perfect in every way. But I said something like, well, you know, the, the, we, Jesus, uh, we need to be changed to be, become more like Jesus. He, he's changing us to become more like him. And then so later on that day, she had obviously been thinking about it. And she goes, but Daddy, what if people um, then don't think I'm Elena, they think I'm Jesus? <laughs> And I thought, well, that's, that's actually the point, right? It's like we lay ourselves down, and so people like actually encounter Jesus. But what I actually said to her was not that. I said, well, he changes us to become more like him, and then and, you know, it's actually us becoming more of who we're created to be. And don't worry, Elena, no one's going to mistake you for Jesus. <laughs> anyway, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ loved us. He gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I just want to sort of highlight a few aspects of how, how do we prepare a way for the Lord? How do we walk in the footsteps of Jesus? How do we walk in the footsteps of, of uh, John the Baptist? How do, you, how do we prepare a way for the Lord? So sometimes like the first, our, our, kind of, our minds often might jump to, to people, um, that we might think of people who don't know the Lord. People that we that we see on the streets, or that we that we work with, or people even in our homes that don't know don't know the Lord. How do we prepare a way for the Lord for them? Does that make sense? It's hard to get the right right words for it. How do we how do we, how do we prepare them to meet the Lord? How do we build a highway in their hearts? <laughs> Some things we can do. We can pray for them. Actually, pray for them. <laughs> pray for them. Pray for them a lot. Also, we need to um, we need to be kind, be being kind. Like we we are imitating God. So there's a sense of like when people see us, no pressure, but but we are representing God, being kind, like Jesus was kind, showing generosity, showing love to others. I think about this at work, hey. Uh, we go into we go into our workplaces, and it's like we're we're actually a testimony of God in that place. So this has all kinds of implications. How, what's going to come out of my mouth? Oh, I don't know. Depends how much sleep I've had. What's going to come out of my mouth? Is that going to is that going to build people up, or is it going to cut them down? Is it going to speak the truth, or is it going to repeat a lie? You know. Is it going to be like a like a gossip about someone else, or is it uh, you know? There's, there's lots of challenges in this, right? So many implications. These are just examples. How do you relate to your colleagues? How do you relate to the person on your phone? I loved um, Yasmin's testimony. It's so good. So we often think about people that we that we are, are surrounded by that don't know God. People on this people on the streets, and yes, like absolutely, we prepare a way for the Lord for them. Also people in the church <laughs> I think we need to be reminded of this we, we actually prepare a way for the Lord for the people we're with for the people that we fellowship with the people that we congregate with like, like praying for one another uh, you know when uh, a few weeks ago a month ago actually when, when Eli was going through uh, surgeries and, we, and we, people were sending us messages saying we're praying for you man that was encouraging so encouraging I didn't. That could, um, sometimes I didn't have. I didn't have prayers for myself. For I wasn't able to pray myself for Eli. I, I tried, but sometimes I was like, "Oh, I don't know what to say." And so, knowing others were praying, that was like lifting up. Remember last week I talked about um, Aaron and her lifting up the arms of Moses. 
It was like that, literally like that, sensing others praying for Eli and praying for us, encouraging one another, encouraging one another to, to follow Jesus, hey, or encouraging one another to live lives um, of obedience to him, honoring one another, being kind to, uh, honoring one another with how we speak to each other, how we interact with each other, being kind to each other, serving one another. <laughs> um, like our, our Sunday morning service, this is not all of church, but this is, a big, this is a big part of how we do church at the moment. You know, It's a big part of how we do church. We, we gather together, we worship Jesus. So everything that you do, if you're, serving, if you're serving today, then thank you. Thank you for the ones that are serving today. You're preparing a way for the Lord, for us to come and, and encounter the Lord. Everything. Putting the signs out the street, putting the road cones in the car parks, washing the dishes afterwards. Everything. Every interaction, it's either going to, uh, I think it's actually quite, it could be quite, you know, one or the other. It's either going to help prepare a way for the Lord or it's not. <laughs> Smiling at people. Um, okay. Coming together with our own hearts prepared. Actually, this is pretty important. Coming out with our own hearts prepared and ready to worship the Lord. Like, um, I love this uh, phrase I heard recently about leading ourselves. If we want to lead each other, if we want to lead others, we actually need to be leading ourselves, leading ourselves well. Like, you know, I was doing this during worship. Lord, Lord, let there be a highway in my heart. Let there be a highway in the heart. Like, remove all obstacles within me so that I might encounter you and that, and that encounter uh, others might encounter you as well. Priests, there's something else that priests do. Priests have a, have, a, have a spiritual authority. Priests have a spiritual authority. And that authority, I, I touched on it last week, that authority that we have, that spiritual authority, it comes from intimacy with Jesus. And I was listening to, again, like during the week, listening to one of these podcasts that you know, was building me up. And there was a fellow called uh, Terry, Terry Walling. And he said that the question was put to him, uh, that, you know, what is spiritual authority? And he, and he said... And I love this. Spiritual authority, spiritual authority is when the fragrance of Jesus is on your life and you don't even know you have it. Like smelling of Jesus. We don't even know it. The presence of Jesus on you. Spiritual authority is when the presence of Jesus is on you that others recognize and you don't even know you have it. And he said, it comes from a deeper journey with Jesus, being with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus. Sounds like game, like sounds like something Dad would say. Being with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus. And he said, the byproduct, so we don't want to make spiritual authority the thing that we're going for. And the thing we're going for is intimacy with Jesus, being with Jesus. But we know that out of that, like part of our motivation can be out of that, we know that there's that we're gonna bless others. You know, being a priest in our world, in our workplaces, whatever it is. He said the byproduct, the byproduct is leadership on behalf of others. There's a sense like that, that in that, like our world, Wellington, Wellington region, Aotearoa needs us actually to be walking in our spiritual authority in this time. Needs us, both inside the church and outside. We, I talked about this before to be carriers of peace in a world that's filled with anxiety and fear and terror. To be, to be bearers of his healing in a world that is, is crippled and is being crippled by disease. I don't need to talk about what I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah. 
So we have like this incredible, incredible calling, eh, to be priests, to prepare the way for the Lord in, in this season. And I'm going to like shift uh, slightly, hopefully it's not going to take me too long, but I just want to speak to something that I think that the Lord is actually doing in this season. We're in a crazy time, in a crazy time, I reckon. What is the Lord doing in this season? Well, one of the things that we see is that um, um, in our culture, we see loads of division. And... Um, COVID and vaccination and everything like that, one of, the, one of the effects is actually division, 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 bringing division. <laughs> okay, separate those people from those people. Separate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. Got to get these people apart. Division. And then you see it, like, um, as, as people, uh, you know, talk, uh, say things on social media and in the news and everything. And it's just, it's horrible. It's just horrible. What is the Lord doing in the season? Well, he's doing the opposite of that. <laughs> he's inviting us actually in, into unity and to love one another the way that Jesus loved others. Isaiah 54. I, I, I sent this out in the, um, in the CV News, and it's just been on my heart, that whole chapter, for a number of reasons. But Isaiah 54 says, O afflicted one, Storm-tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set your stones. And so, sorry if I don't pronounce this right, but I think it's antimony or antimony, maybe. Antimony. Behold, I will set your stones in antimony. I will lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate. <laughs> a gate. I'll make your pinnacles of a gate. Your gates of carbuncles and all your walls of precious stones and all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established and you shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. That's what we need, eh? And so the, um, the picture I was getting is that, that the people around us, look at the ones around us, look at around you. Precious stones, precious stones. Each of you is like precious stones. The Lord is building us together, okay, a spiritual house of stones, of precious stones, to be valued and loved, to come together, even if we, even if we look a bit different or, or have different opinions about, diff, about different things, to be valued and loved. The church is the structure built on the precious living stone. It's Jesus Christ, our cornerstone. He's the ultimate precious stone, right? As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, you yourselves, like Jesus, are living stones, precious stones, being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. <laughs> Sounds like something I said before. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. And this is kind of funny. A year ago, the building was sold, this building was sold, and now we have new landlords, and the name of the company of our landlords is Cornerstone. No jokes. No jokes. And then like, I look out the window, and I know I keep saying about it, but you see the foundations of the building across the road. And I was like, okay, the Lord is doing something, and it's not super subtle. He is, he's like building us to be this church, a spiritual house built on the cornerstone of Jesus, this church of precious stones, precious stones, every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, to be a spiritual house, a spiritual house for God, right? 
Okay, so what is the Lord doing? There's an invitation in this. Prepare the way for the Lord by loving, by loving one another. Radical loving, radical loving of one another, even when we don't agree. The world's way is to go, is to punish and is, and is to manipulate through fear, okay? Is to go, I mean, all right, vaccination. Okay, um, if you're not vaccinated, then you're going to be punished in, in these different ways. Or uh, it's usually kind of like a shame, a shame kind of thing, right? You know what I mean. The world's way is to punish and judge. Uh, and, it, and it even like it, it infiltrates and, and we think about our friends. And, and so the world's way, and I've seen this even as, a, as an article and stuff, and the person wrote about how if they discovered that their friends, I think they were talking about vaccination, if they discovered that their friends were, um, you know, anti-vax, then, then they'd cut them off. That'd be it. They'd defriend them, unfriend them. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> that's not the way of Jesus. Goodness me. And like to be honest, I don't think as a, as as church, um, why a church? But even maybe us, yes, us, we haven't been that great at loving each other. And this is being uh, this is being revealed in this season. And there's an invitation from the Jesus to go. Okay, follow in my footsteps, follow in my footsteps. And I've been challenged, you know, because there's one person in Jesus' closest group and his good friends that we would be quite tempted to unfriend if they were our friend. Judas. Oh, Judas. Nah, I don't want a friend like Judas. And yet Jesus, what did he do? He included in his 12 and his close companions this guy. And, he, and even what? He washes Judas's feet and he sits around the table. Even, you know, the night before Judas betrayed him. That night, Jesus had dinner with him. And then Jesus says to us, John 13. John 13. This is so, so good for us. This is inspiring stuff. This uh, like fills us with excitement. John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another, even when it's hard. <laughs> by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's like, like in, this, in this, in this nuts and bolts, in this grind of living together, this kind of, kind of grind of working stuff out together, that becomes a testimony for a world, a world that's all about division, and instead like, there's this, this testimony of, of unity, and I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's almost like this, this commitment of our hearts, okay, I'm committing myself to following you, Jesus, to loving one another, and, um, and like there's that, you know, the psalm which says, uh, blessed it is when, when brothers dwell in unity, and then it kind of like commands the Lord's blessing, like oil being poured out on the, over, over Aaron, over his beard, you know, like, like this is an incredible thing, like, and, and as we choose, okay, we're going to prepare the way of the Lord, we're going to love each other, we're going to be, um, we're going to find a way of being in unity, um, that there's this pouring out of the oil of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God in that, doesn't that kind of excite you? You go, oh, okay, we've got this challenge in front of us. We do. We've got this challenge. But, man, the Spirit of God. Like, it's an invitation. I think it's super exciting. Like, I, I, seriously, like I've, I've been times of like feeling anxious and dread and fearful and all that kind of stuff. But recently it's just like, oh, man. Oh, good. Here we go. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. We sing about that. 
Man, I'm so stoked with the set that you came up with, Anna. Highways. You know, the Lord taking our, our bones. I mean, literally, we have flesh and... I mean, I'm a bony boy. I was always bony. We have flesh and blood, but with the Spirit of the Lord, He makes us an army. An army, this kingdom of priests. All right. <laughs> One final scripture, man. I'm, I've got to pre- preach it up because I've got to last until Wednesday. <laughs> Therefore, this is what Paul says, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that's it, eh? With with the grace of God, with with God working through us, (laughs) this unity, this picture of unity can can be achieved. Every tribe and nation it talks about in Revelation, every tribe and nation, Worshipping Jesus. Every tribe and nation. Holy Spirit, I know I'm speaking to myself here, Lord. Lord, you know you know my heart and you know all of our hearts. Some people are probably like nailing this, smashing it out of the park. Being a priest every day. <laughs> Others of us are kind of like, oh man. But Lord, you're leading us into this, into this thing. You're drawing it out, Lord. It's almost like you're, you're taking these rough stones, these uh, rough, uh, precious stones, and, and polishing us. And, and we're kind of surprised when the polishing hurts, when it rubs us the wrong way, when it feels like, oh, this, this impossible tension. When you're even like digging foundations, I'm like, oh, man, that hurts, Dig, getting that dirt dug out of my heart. Or piles getting, getting driven in. It's like, oh, God, why do you lead me like this? But then we see like the bigger picture, like the, the fulfillment of everything that you've done, Jesus, even in our own lives, Lord. We see you, Jesus, like standing in front of us and going, peace to you, peace to you, Capital Vineyard Church. We see Jesus with the, with the nails driven through his hands for us. And we, and we see you, Jesus, like you resurrected, you, you rule in your reign from your throne room in heaven, that you will come again. And you will draw all people and they'll see you and go, God, Jesus, you are God. You are good. The Holy Spirit in, in this season, in the season of uh, like, where we sometimes think we know what's going on and often we don't. But Lord, would we, would we hold tight to you? We sang that song, Lord, that you never let us go. But Lord, would you give us the strength that we would also hold tight to you? Lord, you, you invite us to trust you in the, in the storms and if the difficulty. But even in this season, Lord, you, you're trusting us to hold tight to you and to be faithful to you. You trust us to, to, be, to, to reveal your love to others, to be imitators of you, almost like we're, like we're mirroring, mirroring you, to be, to be Christians, Lord. Like little, little Jesuses walking around. That bless us, Lord. Actually, can I, do you want to stand? And we'll just sort of, I think, um, 
you know, just might want to might might want to welcome. Yeah, Christian, Christian. The word itself means about being being anointed like Christ. You know, he's the he's the anointed one. You know, and like in this, priests would be anointed. It was part of what happened. He would, Jesus, uh, the, Jesus, that, that would be anointed. I think the high priest would come along and be, be he would anoint them, okay, to do the job. And um, the Holy Spirit anoints us. So if that's something you want, then, you know, we just open up your heart, make a highway in your heart. You might need to repent of something. Uh, make a highway and go, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We breathe you in. You are present here. Even in this place, Lord. In this time. To be set apart, to be to be your priest. So Lord, would you would you anoint us, Lord? Would you anoint each one here, Lord? Just across the room, Lord. All these like these precious stones. All operating in, in different parts of, of the city and kind of different things going on in our worlds, different interactions, Lord. Would you anoint us in those places where we feel weak? Good. Lord, help us to know that you're with us, that we would lean on you, Lord. That it's, that it's you who speaks through us, your strength, Lord. 